Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? and welcome back to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I want to welcome Jan Heiss today. Jan is not only a friend, but she's a published author, speaker, consultant, and founder and CEO of Hearts Joy, a company which mission is to enhance joy and well-being. We share a few years working in the corporate world together, but we also follow similar paths in the sense of pursuing our dreams. I would say we are each other's biggest fans. So with that, hello, Jen. Hello, Letty. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's, it's a joy and a pleasure to be with you, my friend. Thank you for taking the time to do this. So, Jen, you have a very interesting career and life altogether. So that obviously made you qualified for being a guest <laughs> on the show. And you lived, you know, the corporate career and uh, now you're, you have your own company and we're going to get to that yes. a little bit later. Let's begin with little Jan. Who were you as a kid? What were the things that excited you? What did you dream about? I mean, share with us anything about your childhood that you think is important in, in defining who you are today. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, so little Jan, wow, when you put it in that context, I would say that little Jan was a pretty quiet kid. She was one of a family of four. I have an older sister and I grew up in northern Florida. And so being in a place where there's a lot of outdoor space and the, the climate is such that you could be outside, I really enjoyed being outside and playing with friends. And the things that really motivated me at that time, what I was interested in, you know, as a kid playing with my friends and being outside, but I always loved going to the beach. Um, I loved playing with my art. And for me, that meant, you know, sitting at the dining table, drawing or uh, tracing. And I, and I loved writing poetry. I was just drawn to that. And I also, when I think about it, I noticed myself re really drawn to just mystery, you know, things that were maybe mysterious, maybe did not have an explanation to them, but there was just something about things that have held a little mystery that interested me. That's very, um, yeah, <laughs> it's a fun fact about you I didn't know. And do you do you remember anything in particular, like one particular mystery um, you were drawn to that you could share? I was drawn to, you know, the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. I was drawn to what happened to Amelia Earhart. You know, these types of things that, you know, there's still a lot of theories and thoughts about them, but we really don't know. And they just always kind of piqued my curiosity. So I was going to go there. So obviously you <laughs> yeah. were curious from a very young age. And uh, yeah. so you start growing up. And what did you study? So when I think about growing up, you know, what was very um, 
important, you know, our family values, what was stressed to us was our education, as well as our faith and spiritual community. So we were raised uh, Catholic in our home. And so going as a young person in, in high school, you know, I was studying Latin, right? And so was very curious and interested in the Roman and Greek myth. That was very fascinating for me. It's a mystery. It's, a, it's definitely yes, goes along exactly. with little Jen. And so, you know, then later when I went to university, I studied marketing and business, international business um, at Georgetown University and also became very interested in language and languages. So I think that was starting to peak with the studying Latin, which was, you know, kind of at the root of a lot of our language or languages. And then just, you know, continuing that curiosity in terms of, you know, expanding that in the world as my world was expanding, right? When I go off to study at university. My curiosity would be knowing that little Jen was interested more like in artistic and humanistic activities, such as poetry, as you said, and painting and drawing. How come business? Was that something you wanted to study like also from early on, or you thought it made sense just to pursue like marketing? And yeah, business? so business came because the messages that I was receiving at the time was that the art is not going to be a way that you can make a living and sustain and be self-sufficient. And so it was like, then what emerged was this question is, okay, what could I do? What might that lead to for me? And I'm not quite sure why. I chose the business school, right? But I specifically applied to the university's business school and then set out on that path of, you know, you're taking a lot of your introductory core classes where you've got to do the accounting and the marketing and the statistics. Um, and so it really became, you know, which one of those things did I feel most affinity with or feel like, you know, I could really go further in this area. <laughs> and funny enough, I was clear it was in accounting, right? After the first semester, I thought, oh, God, <laughs> I think I'm clear I will not become a CPA. Um, but it was still, you know, a learning. And so I think also one of the things that um, you and I have come to learn over time is that, you know, in the business world as in any other industry or aspect or career, you know, relationship is very important. And that goes back to, you know, focus on relationship, more of the humanistic topics or themes. So there are many ways that a lot of those things can be drawn together. But that's how I kind of got to business. And I don't know that I, I know the complete answer there of why did I think that? No, you just gave me the answer, but it's curious. And this is why I asked, because I personally always was better at, you know, literature and the humanistic branch of studies. And my dad is more like, he's an entrepreneur. So somehow I always joke around that he brainwashed me into <laughs> studying business. And uh, he did, but I always had that inside of me. I wanted to study law, which is not definitely that humanistic. And um, it's funny because you and I have always have yeah. very similar energistic path. Yeah. And uh, I can now see hearing you speak and hearing you being so artistic as a little kid and enjoying that part of things, why we really are synergistic, because I think we both were corporate women and a big corporation and uh, sales function. But then there was always, always in our conversations that steer us into the most artistic, more philosophical yeah. uh, side of things. And so now it becomes 
clear that I guess that we need an outlet or we needed an outlet. And this is what each one of us is, is carving out yes, in, in our lives. Yes, it's the carving it out. And I think as you so eloquently put it, you know, we can see that essence has always been there. And so, you know, when, when I think about your podcast and us getting back to basics, it's really, you know, us getting back to the essence of who we are, which is, you know, very much synergistic with heart's joy and the message of the brand, right? Really being true to our authentic selves, you know, whatever that is for each person and being aligned to your joy in that way, right? And so it's, it's us coming back to that essence. So even as we go off to explore and experiment with different paths, acknowledging and being true to the essence of really who you are. And I always say, you know, each one of us may need to have that expression in different ways, right? So some people may, you know, recognize and honor their essence and say, okay, as long as I have that in my life as a hobby, then I have, you know, honored myself. I'm fulfilled in that way. Others may say, I I need that to be, you know, all of what I'm doing and what I'm a part of. So it's really, you know, even continuing to check in as to, you know, how do I feed that heart of who I am? How do I feed that very essence of myself? But yes, you know, the, the remarkable thing is it does not go away because by the mere fact that it is our essence it's who we are it's who we are totally right and that's why when i made the list of who do i wanted to be the first guests on this show (laughs) your mind obviously was on the top of the list because you are a living testament i've witnessed uh, you live in corporate america and i have many friends as you know but very very few that have talked to me about ideas they have and that i've held those ideas in my hand like when you say i want to write a book and then i was writing a book i'm still on chapter 12 after 10 years but yet you made it happen and you had the book and i have the book in my house and i've always admired that about you and that's something that doesn't come easy, I think, for most people. The transforming the idea into action and into a reality, no matter the result. And I admire that. you for that. And I, and then your other journey is you also say, I want to create my own company. And you created Heart's Joy. And I want to talk about that because Heart's Joy mission, it says in your webpage, which by the way is hrtsjoy.com for anybody listening that wants to check it out, is to support us in living from our heart's joy. How beautiful is that? Yeah. That really goes well with my podcast. And then if I may share a little more, your vision is a world of joyful people standing in the truth of our inherent creative power. We are consciously creating lives we love living. We are honoring our hearts and experiencing our natural state of well-being. Wow, that really hits home for me. So do you want to share how Heart's Joy came to life and what you're doing and how you're helping people also reconnecting with themselves? Oh, sure. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share more about it. So Heart's Joy came to life. It's interesting that you mentioned the book and, and thank you for just, you know, acknowledging what it took to bring that to life. It came through the book. And and it actually came through even before that. It came from a place of really needing to learn how to honor myself. So um, oftentimes, you know, what gets our attention and our experience is something painful. 
And our family chiropractor and and friend, Dr. Brandon, says, you know, pain is an acronym for pay attention inside now. It's like every oh, wow. everything is there to to get your attention. And so I had a pretty painful experience in in my corporate career where my health uh, fell into crisis. And so um, I was diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency. I was basically burnt out, stressed out, and it really forced me to reflect on and look at how am I taking care of myself? I thought I was doing an excellent job. And one of the things that I learned through my own introspection was, was I looking at all of myself? And so, you know, when I think about self-care now, I think about my entire being, my, you know, we often think about the mind, body, spirit, but I also insert in my heart, right? So was I really honoring that essence of myself? right? I was excelling in a lot of other areas in my life. I was doing well, right? And, and I had the, uh, the achievement to, to show that, right? But when your health fails, it really has a set, well, one life is not fun. That is definitely true. You're just like, okay, this is not the, this is not the space or the place that I want to live in, right? I want to be well. And I often say that, you know, when you've been sick, you really have a fervor for being well. That's something I forgot about the the little Jan story, right? So little Jan was not only quiet, but she was also a very sickly child, right? I was born premature. And then, you know, as I went through my uh, very young childhood, I was very sickly in and out of the hospital all the time. And I think that what that instilled in me was a fervor for wellness and well-being, because when you've been ill, you're really clear about what that difference is, right? About what your experience is. Absolutely. And so when I had that in in my adult life, in my corporate career that, you know, my health was in crisis and I started to look at it, it's like, okay, what do I need to do? So, you know, aside from the finding the the medical support to help me understand what was going on, and that was its own journey to find someone who could actually diagnose that. But then I had to take some time off and really reflect. And so I, I say that, you know, all of this was born of me trying to resolve my own dilemma, how to live a life I love and be well, right? How do I how do I get the and with both of those, right? Because one doesn't have to me a value without the other, right? It's like I don't want to be doing something I love, but I'm sick all of the time and vice versa. So as I'm going through that process, what became clear to me through my own heart's guidance was to get back to what you love. And what you love is your art. So for me, that was, you know, photography and also writing. And so growing up, my dad was always taking pictures and making movies of our family. And so I naturally just picked up the camera, what was not formally taught, but just loved it and just always gravitated toward that. And as I mentioned, you know, being small and writing poetry was always writing. And so I had been, as as you mentioned, you know, the dream of the book, I'd been working on the book. I decided, you know, I was inspired by this idea from Spirit and I'd written down writing this inspirational photo book in our many, many travels. You know, I would always, like you, over a course of years, I'm, I'm working on the book, you know, as I work, as I travel, whatever's going on, I'm still as I get inspired, I work on it. And then something really clicked for me. I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine. So one of my other loves is travel and exploring. And I was 
going off on a trip and I was talking about I was going to I'd taken myself to Paris and was lining up all of these different art museums that I was going to. And my dear friend and I had recently been on a trip together. She's one of my my travel mates. And she said to me, you know, you're talking about looking at everyone else's art. Have you ever looked at your own? And oh, wow. And your own is Thank beautiful. you. And, and it attest. hit me like a ton of brick. And it's, it's an example for those that are listening in the audience for the places where we see others, but we don't see ourselves. Mm, and I so, you know, this also harkens to the self-care, right? Where we don't see ourselves, we discount ourselves. And how do we take great care of ourselves? How do we honor ourselves and honor our hearts? So her saying that really took me back to, okay, I have this thing I'm working on. Let's really, let's get this done. Let's bring it to life. So really what was happening there was I made a commitment to it, right? So you look in the places in your life, something's not happening. First place to go back to is, have we really committed to it happening? Or have we really committed to having it? And once I committed to it, everything started falling into place, just kind of step by step. But that was really me owning it and committing to it. And so through bringing this book to life over, I would say probably, you know, from where I started with that place of commitment, uh, a really focused commitment, you know, over two to three years, then I started sharing the book. And the book was really from a place of joy, really from a place of artistic self-expression, And I felt terrific. And if you can imagine, I was working on the book in addition to holding down all of my other responsibilities, including the corporate sales role. So it was like it wasn't that any of those other things went away, but I began to allocate my time on the weekends differently and my evenings differently. And this this passion and this artistic expression really became a, as I say, it became really a path for me to my wellness and my well-being. And I I started to feel something differently. And so in sharing it, more began to unfold. And so as I shared it and I spoke about it, and the book is an inspirational photo book, and it's got different little poems and essays in it. And it is it features photographs from my travels all over the world, right? And, and, and through our corporate roles, we've traveled quite a bit and also through personal vacations and so forth. So it's really just a delight to sit with. And so as I started to speak about it, I really honed in on this experience that many of us have about bringing our dreams to life and how important that was. And how once I brought that dream book to life, it really kind of opened up where all of these other dreams are just as possible. But I noticed in the speaking about it and what people would come up and say to me and where they connected to it, like there was something really larger going on here, Um, not only for myself, but the others that would encounter the book and how they would connect to it, how the audience would connect to it. And that really led to then me starting to put together not only, you know, speaking programs, but then also workshops, right? So the first program that I created was called Getting to the Heart of the Matter. And it really spoke to this essence of our hearts and our joy and our dreams. And so it was very interesting that little by little, like something else would unfold, another program would be created. Until now, Heart's Joy has been born. We focus on self-care programs and retreats. And we have five signature programs that really speak to that particular experience. And when we, when we talk about self-care, it's really the complete being 
with that emphasis on, you know, our hearts and our joy, right? That being our essence and where do we really align to our joy by just honoring who we are, that essence that we talked about, because joy is our natural state. Our natural state is well-being. When we're sick, when we're ill, that's not natural to us, right? Something is blocking or something is in the way. And so, it all really came out of that dilemma that I had, the pain that caught my attention. And as I started to listen and just respond to that guidance, just more and more began to unfold. And so today we work with and partner with organizations and helping them take care of their most valuable asset, which are their people, right? And so, you know, self-care is really at the heart of everything because none of us can fulfill whatever our personal missions are, right? Whether it be your purpose on the earth, you know, your mission that you feel that you're aligned to in your organization, in whatever community you serve, we can't fulfill our missions if we're if we're not well. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you've said so many inspirational things in the past few minutes that I wouldn't even know what to comment on because each one of them are just powerful. I hope that our audience right now are agreeing with me. What a special guest you are. To comment on, on a few things that you mentioned that I think are very important. The one thing on how everything started, and I was lucky enough to witness that why your story for me is so powerful, because how many lunches did we share over wine? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the things we wanted to do and, and our ideas yeah. and, and making it happen. I think one of the things you do, and I can say I do also, that makes the difference is we find a way to build or bake our passions into our day-to-day -day lives. And sure, we have demanding jobs, we have the kids, we have the husbands, and we have the craziness that everybody has. And yet we find the space to plug in those little passions we have and bit by bit consistently work on them until they become full of life and they can run on their own. So I saw your book. I was there in a few trips we did for work together where you were taking pictures and then I ended up seeing the same picture on the book. <laughs> and so you see how that happened and it's you take a spontaneous moment and you just collect information but you're putting it out there there in the universe that you are going to do this. And this is very important. Even this podcast, as I start to get my feet wet with it and having guests on it, it's just by going through the motion of having this interview and making it a reality. And I believe a lot of people just I don't know if it's fear of failure, and this is part of why we're having this conversation, so that anybody listening can identify and ask themselves, why? Why I had that passion and I haven't made it a reality? What can I do with that passion? How can I run with it? And what's preventing you from doing it? Because it doesn't have to be big. I'm not going to become famous out of this podcast or maybe make money out of this podcast. I'm just doing it because I enjoy it. You did your book because you enjoyed it. And then it opened the doors to many other things happening in your life. And I believe that the fact that people sometimes want quick returns, like, okay, you're doing that, but why are you doing that? And finding the why exactly is that you're doing that? Yeah. Because there's no why, because passions have no why. You just enjoy them. And But that's the why. Yeah, well, <laughs> the joy for, is the why. But wouldn't you say for a lot of people, that's just not enough? Okay. That, you know, sometimes you say you enjoy doing that. Why, do, why don't you do it? 
You know, I, I have mm -hmm. friends that say, oh, I've always wanted to play the guitar. Why don't you get into a chorus? Oh, I'm, I'm too old, you know. And, you know, I learned French when I was 30. I started learning French. I was 33 when I took piano lessons. But people sometimes, they feel because they're old, like you're 40 and you're old, you have hopefully half your life. I always say I have, if I learn piano now, I have 40 years that I can play. Of course, I failed at it because it's just too, <laughs> too hard. After six years, I say, let me pick a different hobby but I tried you know and, and there are projects that are worth walking away from when you realize you know what I'm putting a lot of energy but this is not as enjoyable as I thought it would be then it's also fine to say you know I move on to something else and I've learned to be fine with that as well it hasn't been easy because I like to finish what I start but I think it has served me well also to say you know what this is fine I play around with it time to move on yeah And let's see if I may comment, because that's a place that I want to just acknowledge and share with you. I don't know if I've ever said it to you, but I so admired you for taking up the piano <laughs> because you wanted to learn it. And yes, our, our worlds have always been full. And yet and still, you would go to piano lessons. You would study your lesson in the midst of everything else because you had a desire to learn it. And so I, I have always spoken of you about that and like, hey, my friend takes piano. And if I may comment, a couple of the points that you were making to your audience are so important to just underscore this reason why we don't go forward. And so, you know, I will speak from a place of if there's anybody in the audience that has perfectionistic tendencies or see themselves as a perfectionist. So I can speak from that place. I am a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and I say recovering because it's like any other ism, right? It's like it's always something that you have to be aware of and you have to be mindful of. I don't know that it ever completely goes away because there's something that's really ingrained there. But to just be aware of it And the reality is that I continue to learn is that none of it is perfect. It's not going to start out when you start perfect. The book did not start out bound. The book started out as a series of writings that I had and a composition book that you can buy at the dollar store that I would take with me on the plane. And I wrote down some ideas and literally I didn't even know how to put a book together. I remember being at a conference and someone was speaking who'd written a book And I asked her, I said, you know, what do I need to know? And she said, get a professional headshot. So it's like, okay, I go get a professional headshot to be on the book. And then I was such a perfectionist. I couldn't, I could not just make a decision about how to lay the book out. Right. So the, the first woman said to me, get a professional headshot, get someone to lay out the book, get a professional to lay the book out for you. So if you can imagine from where I was starting, I thought I was going to do this thing in Word and lay it out. So this is before all of the new things that we have in Word, right? This is many years ago. But that's what I thought I was going to do. And I was such a perfectionist, I couldn't sort out for myself very quickly how the book was going to lay out. And I remember asking someone else at the conference, and he could see that I was a perfectionist. And I remember him saying to me, If this book ever gets published, it will be a miracle because you are you are so stuck and it has to be just so like it may never no one may ever see this. And he said to me very simply, put a picture on one page, put the words on the other page. 
And it was just like, I mean, like, so we laugh at that, like, oh my gosh, how simple is that? But for people that have these tendencies like myself, this can be a year long like decision, right? How am I going to lay out the book? And so we have to learn to let those things go and recognize that as our dreams are unfolding, they really happen like everything else in our life, step by step. Nothing comes to us already done with the bow on it, right? Yep. And we would love we to, would, we but, would love to have... but it doesn't work that way. And if you think about anything you're doing in your home with your family, any, any projects you've had at the office or in another community, it's never wrapped up and tied with the bow. It's unfolding step by step. And you learn a little bit along the way. And there's this great conversation that's had with like um, the author Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup from the Soul. And he talks about, you know, it's like us traveling from New York to California, right? When we leave in our car from the East Coast to go to the West, we never imagine that we're not going to get to California. And when we leave, we don't know everything about the trip before we get there. But we recognize that, you know, we've got a system, a highway system, there are signs, there are exits. If we need help, we can get off, we can get back on. Um, and we trust that we're going to get there, right? And so it's really that stepping out. You know, Joseph Campbell always talked about, you know, really, you step out, and then the path lights up underneath your feet. But the universe is waiting for us to commit and step out. And it completely supports us. But you must step out and signal, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to this way, you know, and that whole fear of failure can keep us back. But the reality is that's how we learn. Some things we don't do well. And you think about all of the things that we're teaching young people that we teach our own children. It's okay to make mistakes. That's how you learn. And if you think about all of these things that help us to do better, to integrate it, to build a better mousetrap. There's a great book called Fail Fast, Fail Often. And it talks about this very fact of how important it is for us to get comfortable with failure, to not punish failure, but to really set it up as a way of learning. So now I think the biggest missing opportunity is if you fail at something and you don't learn anything from it. Right. So that failure should advance you in a way that it's like, oh, what did I learn from that? You know, in organizations, maybe you do a postmortem after something where it hasn't worked the way you thought it would. Or, you know, you go back and say, OK, what can we do differently? What did we learn from that? Right. And so it's so important for all of us to get comfortable with that because we're going to make mistakes. That's one way that we learn. And so if we can move through that process more quickly we can get to, you know, that better mousetrap faster. And, and in that book, they talk about examples of people and organizations that we see as very successful, but where, you know, where they started, they failed a number of times. So what comes to mind right now is the um, Starbucks and the CEO there. And the fact that Starbucks, the experience that we have today was not what started out originally. The experience that he created was very Italian. They were playing opera. The, the people in the store were wearing bow ties. And you know what? People didn't like it. It failed. <laughs> but if he had not continued, 
you wouldn't have the experience that you have today. And so it's being able to integrate that. Someone says, you know, um, how do you get good judgment? It's like bad judgment, right? You've, there have been some things that you're like, yeah, I probably won't want to do that again, right? And that's how we keep moving forward. And the point about understanding your why, that big why is so important, So you talked about, you know, for some people, joy isn't enough. I think it's everything, but to each his own in terms of what that experience is for them. And I always say, understand what that big why is for you and make sure that it's based in your choice, which I always say, you know, conscious choices based on our joy versus just the capability, right? So that was another big lesson is, you know, choosing things because I can do it. I can master that versus that's really my choice from this place of joy. Like I would just really enjoy that. And it is a much different experience. If if I did the book because it had to be a bestseller and it had to perform in all of these different ways, I probably would not have enjoyed that experience in the same way. But I just did it from, you know what, this is something I've been inspired to do. It's a joy to be involved with it, to bring it to life, to, to see it manifest, right? And a lot of us are not aware of what's happening behind the scenes when things do manifest. And it takes time. It will require effort. But, you know, if we start from that place of commitment and we're willing to make some mistakes, you know, it's going to be a little messy at times. But it turns out. I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than to attempt to do nothing and succeed. Yes. And that always, you know, I find that inspiring. It's, you know, yeah, you can do nothing and you'll be successful at that. But then, you know, what did you create? One of the things that I explore in this show is Mm -hmm. what makes you tick. And for someone like you, I just see it and being your friend, I just know you're so connected with yourself and in everything you say right now today, you can tell that you know what makes you tick. But if you had to pinpoint Mm -hmm. it besides joy, which to me is very obvious, you tick when you are in a place of joy and you say, this brings joy to my life and this this is what I want to do. Is there anything else like, let's say, if you can be anywhere for an hour to find peace and to connect with yourself, where would it be? Hands down. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting on a beautiful beach looking out in the ocean. That's my place. That's the place for me that I feel my most connected with everything. And it's the place for me that brings me back to a place of humility. Of when I look out at that horizon and I look at this very vast ocean, you know, my being is small in comparison and my my worries, my cares, my troubles, you know, I just drop it in. (laughs) Well, that's great. You say that I've had a few interviews already. And it's funny, it's people that are connected to themselves that are living the life they want to live. Most of them have a very quick answer for that. Like, what's your spot? Where do you need to go? How do you connect to yourself? And, you know, it's obviously there are many things you can do and people find connection different ways. It's not only one thing that finds that connection. But, you know, for the most part, there's always a spot, a special spot, a special place that is almost like a shot of, of adrenaline or of essence of soul where you go there you connect to the source and i'm very happy that you have yours and that it's a beautiful beach 
I think we've given our audience plenty to think about. I think you have to take over my show. You would be a fantastic host. You have a great voice. <laughs> and I enjoy so much our conversations. For our audience to know, we used to live in the same city. Jan was here in Miami and then she abandoned me and moved to D.C. And we used to have maybe once a month for sure, very long lunches yes. and wine and inspirational conversations. Yeah. And That was also a way for me to connect through my friends, through people that inspire me. And we do it occasionally when she's here or I'm there, but I definitely miss that very much, Jen. Same here, my friend. And I, I look forward to us having more of those lunches because it is, it's definitely a place of connection for me as well. And that's another really important part of feeding myself and my spirit is having that those connections with with very special women like yourself you know these relationships that are synergistic and we really support one another in our our goals our aspirations our passions and our philosophies absolutely and now that you said that i don't want to end the interview without mentioning something very important you and i both have our own businesses yeah. and we not only we inspire each other on a personal note but we also establish goals on our professional lives yeah. and i want to share with people that probably two years ago we both decided that to embark in these women minority owned businesses that we have been hearing about and none of us knew anything about yeah. it And we made a commitment to each other to get our companies certified. And, you know, it's not a super hard process, but it's a process nevertheless, yes. right? Yes. So we had our challenges, but we supported each other. And then it was probably six months ago, we were both at the event at the Women Minority Owned Business, and we are both representing our companies. And we felt so accomplished and yes. so empowered yes. by having supported each other throughout that. Exactly. That was a, a big goal for us and a worthwhile goal. And as you said, it, it wasn't something that was terribly difficult, but it was an additional you know, responsibility, an additional thing to do on our list. And it made all of the difference to be in that conversation with you and, you know, be accountable to ourselves, but also to one another and be able to celebrate that together too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thank you very much for that, Jan. You have been fantastic. I'm sure our audience had enjoyed. And to you listening out there, go find your friends and connect with them, empower each other and nurture each other. I'm sure that great things will come out of it. Before we go, if I may make a quick plug, because in this uh, spirit of connecting, one of the retreats that we offer every year is the Heart Story Restorative Retreat. So if you're in the area or you want to travel to the area, the 2018 retreat is happening December 7th through December 10th here in uh, Maryland's Eastern Shore. You can find out more information on the website, which is www.hrtsjoy.com, Heart's Joy. And so it's a great way to reflect on and take care of yourself and get back to that connection. So I share that with you as one resource that you can use. Absolutely. I'm glad you shared that, Jan. And I think anybody participating in that retreat is going to come out very fulfilled and re-energized with you sharing so much good energy and insightful information. So thank you so much. And this has been all for this episode of Back to Basics. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Leslie. A pleasure to be with you and your guests. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>